0: Welcome to the Expand with Nicole podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hope, a health and breath work coach who is passionate about all things wellness. My goal is to break down big information into little bites, providing you with facts and actionable steps that you can incorporate into your life right away. If you're ready to learn along with me, let's get started. Official rebranded podcast episode. So originally it was Victoria and me, and now it's just me. So welcome. Um, but we, I think this is totally time appropriate because it's alcohol awareness month, April.
1: Is it? I didn't even know that. Yeah. And what was this was last month was mental health awareness month or maybe it's May. Yeah. I don't know. Cool. Every month
0: is something, but it's... I was like, all right, here we go. We're right on point with the, uh, yeah. the month. And let me just introduce you first. This is, we're here with Chris Spelina, who is an old friend of mine. And he is going to be talking about the Phoenix, which is a sober, active community that helps people heal from substance disorders right through some fitness and other healthy activities. And I actually didn't know anything about it until I started following you on Instagram. So I am really excited to hear about it. Um, It seems to be like a lot of people are moving into becoming sober curious or just aware of their alcohol intake. So I think that's a good thing for all of us.
1: Sure. Sure. Thanks, Nicole. It's good to see you again. Uh, my name is Chris. Um, I am a person in sustained recovery from substance use disorder since May 24th of 2018. I'm also a person who has been previously incarcerated due to my substance use disorder. So if I continue doing everything that that I'm doing right, right now, I'll, I'll have five years substance-free this year, which I'm really excited Congrats. about. Um, thank you. I'm, I'm currently the regional manager for the Mid-Atlantic region of the Phoenix, so that means I oversee our staff programming and volunteers in Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, Washington, D.C., Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, and West Virginia. And um, I got started with the Phoenix when I first got sober back in 2018. I came in looking for a different way I had been struggling with substance use disorder my whole life since my 20s since basically I turned 21 since since college basically um most of my most of my challenges came along with prescription drugs like everybody will remember back in the mid early 2000s when doctors thought it was a good idea to just prescribe us tons of opioids and we thought hey this came from a doctor it can't be that bad for us and obviously it was um so like i struggled for a long time i went to treatment collectively eight times detox regular uh rehab all that stuff and i can never get more than like 90 days before i would go back to using so this last time when i finally went to treatment um i can get more into that story later on i was just looking for a different way you know i i i knew that i knew that i wanted to pursue a life free from addiction, but everything that was taught to me before just didn't resonate with me. Like I I felt like, I don't know, maybe I didn't know how to have fun or like I had no purpose or something like that. And when I found the Phoenix, I remember walking through the door and seeing the people there and just being like, wow, this is, this is the way for me. Like I'm doing all this work to stay sober and improve my life. Like I want to have fun doing it. I don't want to just, you know, it be just going to therapy and going to support group meetings
0: does it like take the place of that for you completely or do you still do meetings also and have a sponsor?
1: For me personally, it has. Um, I don't, that's not something that I, I will say as a broad statement that that's what's for everybody. I have been in, in and out of the 12 step rooms my whole life. And um, co- coincidentally, I can say this cause I know that we went to the same school Like, I found the spirituality or the religious aspect of 12-step program to be challenging for me. Um, It kind of stems back to when I first went back, when I first went to treatment, it was six weeks after I graduated college. And the treatment model back then was you go to, my parents paid $30,000 for me to go to a detox and a rehab in Florida. And the whole program was I would wake up in the morning, get on a bus and go to three 12-step meetings and then come back and meet with my counselor or clinician and then go back out and go to three more 12-step meetings come back and eat dinner and then go to another meeting for for 30 days this was it like i was getting on a bus to go to these free meetings and at 21 years old i was still kind of like i don't know that punk kid that didn't think he had a problem although it was very obvious i did there was lots of consequences of my use at that time and i can remember sitting in one of those meetings where like oh um you know if you want what we have this is what you have to do to do it and i was like i don't I'm not going to do this. I don't want what you have. Like This doesn't make me happy right now, which in hindsight was a horrible take on the situation. But um, I I kept on like, you know, they they talk about like giving your will over to God as you understand it. And like me personally, like I didn't have a God that I understood. So it was always challenging for me. Later on, like when I finally did get clean and sober, 12-step and support group meetings were a part of my journey. In the beginning, when I first like first year or two, um, but I found the support I needed without that. So a lot of our members do are part of the larger recovery community. Um, medication is part of my recovery journey. 12-step meetings are part of my recovery journey. Therapy is part of my journey. It's kind of just like a puzzle that I had to put together for myself. And I would say for, for anyone that's listening, there's no one right way to recover. So whatever it is that you have to do to to stay clean and sober and healthy, just do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like this... So this community obviously provides a lot of support, but I know that you also, I mean, can you just tell us a little bit about in general, what it's like, cause I know there's activities. I know it's like you're working out, but like, if you step into a, into the Phoenix, what sure. is
1: going on? Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll share with you how I first stepped into the Phoenix and then I can talk about like what else we offer and what it looks like. So when I first came to Sorry. the Phoenix, when I was in treatment this last time, I got the clinician that I, I was there with was a young woman. Her name's Ashley, and I told her pretty much what I just told you. Like, I've done this before. I've done this before. This is what worked. This is what hasn't worked. And she introduced me to yoga, and I kind of, like, laughed at first. Am I right? Yeah, that's it. That's the solution, right? But at that point, I was so, you know, in despair that I would have tried anything that anyone suggested to me. So I tried it, and I started practicing yoga every day. I started practicing meditation every day, and right away, within weeks, it was, like, Uh, I I felt emotionally regulated. I kind of like tapped into like whatever I felt was spirituality at the time. And I I could see that this was going to be part of my journey. So while I was in there, somebody came in from the Phoenix and said, Hey, what are you going to do when you leave here? And I didn't have an answer for them. It was just like, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to do yoga. And she was like, come check out this thing that we got going on. We do yoga. It's free for anyone that has 48 hours of sobriety. So, I showed up and I just never left. And when I walked in the door, the thing that struck me as different is when we go to other sorts of support group meetings, we're introducing ourselves like, Hi, I'm Chris. I'm an addict. When I went there, they didn't, I just identified myself as Chris. And it made me feel like, okay, like I'm not my addiction. I'm this person that's here to do yoga. So, that's how I started. And then it kind of evolved. I got into all these other activities at the Phoenix Office, climbing and CrossFit. And uh, now we're, we're this. Huge organization. We've served over two hundred fifty thousand people. We're in forty four different states. We have some things going on in Canada. We have some things going on in Mexico, uh, in London now, and we offer anything from yoga, meditation, hiking, biking, CrossFit, climbing, to the other end of that, just social events like movie nights and music events, art events. Really, it's whatever, um, whatever that we can think of or our volunteers can think of that's fun, safe, and healthy. We'll make it happen and we'll support it because I think I my favorite thing right now is CrossFit. I'm really into fitness and that's what's keeping me um, entertained at the time at this time. But like it kind of doesn't really matter what the activity is that we're participating in. It's more about the community connection that happens there. So for me, it's like when I go to a CrossFit class and afterwards there's somebody that came in that maybe they just left treatment or maybe there's somebody that's just extending their journey of dry January this year. And it's their first time in this class, and I'm going to give them a high five after. That's where like the real magic happens, I think. For us, is like we're having this shared experience. We're all there seeking a healthier journey in life, and um, we're there to support each other.
0: So, Dry January is obviously a big, like, buzzy thing that people do. So, and I know that one of the requirements is that you're, you have to be sober for forty eight hours to go to a class, right, or go to the Phoenix at all, but if someone's doing dry January and they're in they're attending classes at the Phoenix and they don't have the intention to stay sober beyond that, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I think that when we talk about the Phoenix, we talk about more, we started mainly as an organization to help people that are suffering from substance use disorder, mental health challenges, PTSD, all of the above. Um, But as we kind of evolved that 48 hour thing, um, Kind of takes like because of these things, like the sober curious and the dry January, kind of takes on a new meaning because we don't necessarily think that everybody is going to identify as someone that wants to be sober for the rest of their life or somebody that thinks their drinking or substance use is problematic, right? But we want everyone to come and experience what life can be like while they're sober. And also on the other side of that, as long as you have forty-eight hours clean from substance use or, or alcohol um allies are welcome too so nicole if you're not a person who has any sort of problematic issue with substances but you really love what we're doing and you want to come hang out with us on a friday night instead of going out drinking and you haven't used substances in the last 48 hours we want you to come because that's part of what makes our community so special is it's not just us like um like we go back to that 12 step miles not just a bunch of us sitting around saying hi i'm an addict it's us in there healing together with the support of our allies and our families saying like, you know why I'm here and you support me in this journey and you want to have some fun and see what this is all about too. And also I think, this is my personal opinion, not the organizational standpoint, like that kind of term recovery because of all these things is kind of loaded, right? Because if you may be healing from other things, than substance use disorder and being sober as part of that journey. So you might not identify as a person that's in recovery, right? But you're sober and we want you to come. Because not everybody's ready to say or needs to say, I'm a person in recovery.
0: Right. I mean, that's amazing. And I assumed probably that you could have family members support you. But um, it is so nice just to have an alternative to going out. A lot of people just, like you said, don't know what to do to have fun without it. Because it's just Mm -hmm. such a part of our lives. And now there's like sober bars popping up, which is really
1: cool. Yeah. 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 I have a a friend. I think. Exactly. That's it. Right. I have a friend. His name is Ralph. He's 55 years old. This guy's like a former professional bodybuilder, like successful businessman, real estate agent, contractor, never had any issues with substance use disorder. He had a beer when he was like 15 and just said, this was not for me. Has some family, uh, immediate connection to people that have had substance use challenges, but him himself, he hasn't. And he comes out we, we were at a, uh, we did a photography hike at Sandy Hook two years ago. We had a, a guy that was like a, he's a park ranger at Sandy Hook, but he's also like a, a, a photography expert. So he kind of like taught us how to use the cameras on our phones to take cool pictures. And we went and saw all the cool historical stuff there and the sunset and everything. And I asked Ralph, I'm like, Ralph, you know, this, you're not, you're not a, a person that had any challenges with substance use. Why do you, why are you so excited about what we do? He's like, it's like everybody else I know is out on Friday nights getting drunk and I don't want to do that. You guys know how to have fun. And that's really it, right? Like we're, we're learning how to live without these things and there's people that also feel the same way that just for different reasons. Some people are not drinking or using drugs for health reasons. Some people like myself are using it because I can't or else I'm probably going to die. And then, you know, there's people that are just like, let me see what it's like.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a great alternative and uh, just the mindset shift too in general. You know, I, you know we're obviously – the same age so we're 40. We've been through years of just where like drinking is the norm and that there is a place like this an organization community that is offering alternatives to what we all think is normal but you know.
1: Right. Are- I wonder I always think about this too like when I was I don't know I don't know if I can answer it the way that I think I should answer it, but if if I had found this organization or something like it when I was in college would it maybe have said like, "Well, wow, This makes being sober cool look cool, look fun. Maybe it would have helped me earlier on, and that's my hope. Is like by introducing people to what we do, maybe they don't have to go down the the road that I went down.
0: Do you have an age requirement? Like, do
1: you have to be eighteen? So our our events now are eighteen and older. Sporadically, we'll do family friendly events where 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 you can bring your family. They're they're generally like low risk events, like barbecue or something like that. But for the most part, yeah, our events are eighteen and older. And so you mentioned the photography hike, which sounds so cool. What are some of your other favorite events that you guys have held? Um, we did a sober flag football, sober Army Navy flag football game a few years back with the with the hospital, with the vets from the hospital over here and our community. That was super fun. We were out there for like three hours getting crazy playing flag football. Uh, I go climbing a couple of times a month. I really enjoy that indoor and outdoor climbing. Um But it is really kind of fun to do those like those things that we don't always do. So we do like a sound healing thing in our in our studio in Belmar. That's twenty five or thirty people show up to every time we do it. Sometimes we do art events. I think last month they did like a mosaic um, rocks with like dot painting on it, which was super fun and super well attended. We just recently, as an organization, got into. We're part of another campaign called One Million Strong Campaign. And that's kind of parlaying off of the dry January thing. So you'll see us at Stagecoach Music Festival, um, Jazz Fest. Um, there's a couple of really big Coachella, I think is one of them, where we go and we set up a huge tent with air conditioning and mocktails, like the non-alcohol cocktails, like you talked yeah. about. And it's kind of like a sober oasis in this, you know, big huge music festival. People that are that are a large amount of people are imbibing or, or you know, yeah. using substances. So that's something that I'm really excited about, getting into like the kind of music aspect of this because me, I, I'm a huge music fan. Like I remember growing... that about you. So I was gonna right. That's, yeah. Yeah. So so that's a cool thing too. Like when I first got sober, I was kind of, I couldn't go back to the, you know, to a Fish concert or a Grateful Dead concert and feel comfortable that I was going to stay, be able to stay sober or that I was even going to still be able to have fun. But now that we're doing this thing on such a large scale, where people can experience the things that they used to experience in, in a safe space, or somebody's going to jazz fest that normally would be drinking, and they're like, you know what? I don't want to drink this time. I just want to really experience this and take it in. They can come hang out with us for a little while, get a break.
0: Uh, that's amazing. That's really cool. Um, I think there, the mocktail thing is like everywhere. So it's that's a. I mean, what a great place to have a right. little spot where you can still enjoy what you like to enjoy and not feel right. like the pressure. That's amazing. Um, So you talked about like your first visit. How, how I know you work for the Phoenix, but how often do you find yourself at the
1: Phoenix? Um, When I first started, so when I first started working for the Phoenix, I, before I got sober, I was a union carpenter in New York City. So when I finally came out of treatment and I had a few months and I found the Phoenix, i made a decision i didn't want to go back to my career in the union for for various reasons the first reason being taking the train to new york city every day sucked and it just was not something that made me happy i didn't find it fulfilling anymore there's lots of alcohol and drug use on job sites so that was kind of a challenge for me so i decided i wasn't going to go back to that Uh, i started out as a volunteer and i was going to pretty much every event that there was six or seven days a week back 2018 and 2019 My first job with the Phoenix was a program support associate. It was like 10 hours a week where I was just like sitting at the desk and welcoming people as they arrived and like helping people get registered and whatnot. Um, But still, I was going to five or six days a week. I was going to to some sort of an event. Now, then the pandemic happened and we we had to shift to like doing our virtual program, which was kind of a really cool experience for me. Well, I'm going to put the silver lining on this really cool experience because I remember it was a Friday afternoon. We got a call, so we have to suspend all of our in person programming. So that thing that was like March 13th by Monday, that by that m- March 13th, right? Yes. No one's ever, ever going to forget that. Um, by that Monday, we had a full platform of str- live streaming classes because we knew our community needed it, right? And we needed it. So I was—I'm a meditation instructor as well. So for the first few months of the pandemic, I was leading our morning meditation every day, seven days a week, and that was kind of exciting for me because what I found when I first came into the Phoenix—that community connection—I um, got to watch that kind of grow on my computer screen. Because the first like few months, there was two or three or four people joining me, and then like towards the end of that summer, there was one class that I was coach that I was teaching that. There were 65 people in there. There was one person from Pakistan. There was one person from Paris. There was one person from Mexico. I'm like, this little community that I found here in Belmar, New Jersey, is now growing worldwide on my computer screen. Through that pandemic, we kind of had plans to do this already that we wanted to expand and For our mission to be sustainable, it's not going to be staff running all of our events, right? Because I can only be in one place at a time. So we really leaned into our volunteers, and now we have thousands of volunteers across the country. Um, So because all of our events are volunteer-led and we have so many, I think sometimes we have in New Jersey alone 18, 20 events a week. I can't get to as many as I would like to. and My my job and my role is more to support the volunteers and being able to facilitate the events that they want to bring to our community. So I'm probably more along the lines of like one to two per week now.
0: Cool. But you're still connected. Do you guys still offer the virtual
1: um, events? Or- we do. We have over 70 classes a week. And we also uh, we also have um, on-demand programming. So if you're at a place in your, your journey where you don't want to come to a live stream class or it doesn't work with your schedule, you don't want to come to an in-person class, you can watch one of our meditation, yoga, or fitness videos anytime, anywhere. We actually have those on tablets in prisons now, too. So we partner yeah. with one of the tablet providers. So we have, uh, I think there's 270-something 200 prisons in the country that have those tablets in it, and our programming is on there. So if you're a person that's incarcerated, you can get access to the programming that we offer, and then hopefully when you're released, uh, you're already kind of like a introduction of what we do and uh, you know, seamlessly integrate into our community. Was that your idea? I wish. I wish it was what a great idea
0: seriously that's phenomenal um all right so let's say someone's listening they're like I want to get involved in this like this sounds amazing which it does and they've been sober for 48 hours they go to obviously there's locations all over so they find their closest location if there is one otherwise they could go virtually you know either way um and then they're like you said you're welcoming us they're signing in are, is anyone paying for anything? Is this completely free? Like, is there any other obligation
1: besides showing up and being 48 hours sober? That's that's really it. No, there's no cost associated with our programming. Um, like we we always welcome donations, but for somebody that's coming to one of our classes, nobody's gonna ask you for a dollar. We just want you to be there. Uh, the best way to find out where you can join us and when to join us is download our app. So if you go onto the Play Store or, or the Apple Store and type in the Phoenix Sober Active Community, donate download our app, it'll show you any event that's happening within 50 square miles of where you're at. So, and I think something else that you mentioned too, um, if there's a location near you, you said, so we're also not limited by geography. So we happen to be lucky enough that we have a small facility in New Jersey and Belmar that the Phoenix operates, but most of our programming throughout the country is done in different spaces, like, uh, donated space from climbing gyms, CrossFit gyms, yoga studios, other community centers. We do a ton of outdoor events. So while you might not be near a physical location that the Phoenix operates, there's most likely some sort of programming near you that you could access. And that app will also show you all of our virtual programming, all of our on-demand programming, and there's also like a social aspect to it. So there's groups kind of like, kind of like I guess, uh, I don't want to say like Instagram, but it's kind of like a feed that you could go in. And there's a New Jersey one, and then there's one split up by interest. So if you like art or if you like music, you can join the art or music group and post in there and find people near you that are the same thing as you.
0: Very cool. And you find what's going on, and you could pretty much find it whenever. Pretty much. So, what experience do you have with people who find themselves, like, relapsing, um, and they can't be there? Like, do you feel like people really stick with the 48-hour
1: thing? Yeah, from my own experience, I, I can't speak for every other chapter in, in the country, but I assume it's pretty similar. From my own experience here, people very much respect that. So we're not, we don't drug test. We don't give you a breathalyzer. We don't even ask you when you walk in, like, do you have 48 hours sober? It's just you signed up for this class. Like, we, we hope that you'll honor it. And for the most part, I think, I think everybody does. A um, couple of different things. I think you asked about a relapse or sometimes we call it like a recurrence of symptoms. I think that's part of the reason why we chose 48 hours as the, as the the amount of time that you need to have clean before you come because it's such a low barrier that if you were to have a recurrence of symptoms you can just have two days and come back right and we're not going to ask you you don't have to come back and be like i relapsed and i'm back you know we're not announcing it we don't want to know we want you to be here we want you to join us and we want to keep that barrier to entry low so we think that 48 hours helps that a little bit and uh yeah, that does happen often. I know I'll see people coming for weeks, and then they won't come for a couple of weeks, and then they'll be back, and they're happy to be back, and that's great, you know? And then, um, like, there's often times that if somebody is struggling, they can reach out to. We, we make it clear that our staff and instructors are here to help. So if someone is in one of our events or part of our community and they are struggling and need different resources that we don't offer, recovery coaching or treatment or something like that, we may get known to talk to our instructors and our volunteers because they're the ones that can help you find whatever resource it is that you need or just be a connection for you.
0: And do you hold, um, since we're talking about that, to like helping find resources, do you hold typical like meeting type?
1: gatherings, we, or no, we have, um, I mean, like it, talk meet, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we would probably call it something different. Like we do like social events or it's like a, a coffee social or um, just like a meetup where, yeah, we just come hang out and talk. Sure. Uh, I wouldn't say like the Phoenix as an entity itself does not operate 12 step meeting or refuge recovery or AA or NA or anything like that because that's not our place to. Um, but the places that we do have physical locations, you know, there's, we have a building in Boston. We have one in Denver. We have one in Wichita. We have this one here in New Jersey. Um, we'll open that space up to, Another organization to come in and utilize the space to host meetings for for their members, but as an organization, we don't facilitate those meetings.
0: But the and the people who are working, like you said, do function as a tort- sort of like a mentor, and they can guide you. So if there's
1: if essentially there's like essentially that. Support. Yeah, essentially that. Or or if if someone were to say, theoretically speaking, somebody goes to one of our volunteers in Philadelphia and's like, hey, I'm really struggling. I need help right away. And if that volunteer knows they can call me or one of our other staff members and say, hey, this person's struggling, can we, you know, where should I tell them to call? You know, we partner with some great organizations like in New Jersey, Robert Wood Johnson has an amazing nonprofit recovery coaching program that whatever you need as a person in recovery, they'll make sure that you get it. So normally we'll refer to something like that, like a trusted resource that that we know is is going to be ethical. I
0: I was just thinking about, you know, if you were going on vacation or something and you don't have like your typical support, but you do because it's available to you everywhere. So it's so nice like to feel like you, you're you safe. You can still like explore and go out of your comfort zone, but then have the community still kind of wherever you are.
1: Yeah, I think it's really cool, too, because I know that I know some of our members from New Jersey have gone other places in the country like and gone to Phoenix events elsewhere in the country. Right. And shared pictures like, hey, Phoenix, New Jersey is in Denver right now. Something like that. And that's it. Right. Like we said earlier, it's about the community connection piece. And by being part of this community, that's over 250,000 people strong. We're everywhere. So wherever you go, chances are there's some there's some of us there that you can find and, and connect with. So I think that is really amazing. And I think that's important too. like with treatment, when you go to a treatment center, a lot of times like here, you maybe you would go to texas or florida or something like that for treatment and maybe while you're there you get introduced to what we offer but when you get home that was one of the challenges i faced every time i went to treatment it was in florida and then when i came home all the network that i built was gone so now what we offer like if you found out what the phoenix was while you were in tampa say and then you came back to belmar you jump on our app and you can connect with us right away and, and it's seamless
0: yeah it sounds like you guys really have it figured out I want to come to an event. Please do. I will. I will. I mean, I'm close. Bye. So I definitely will. Um, what else did we not cover that you think is important that for the audience or someone who might be interested in coming to Phoenix?
1: Um, yeah, I think one other thing that's important is for us to grow and for us to continue, uh, becoming a movement. Um, it's, our volunteers are the most important people to us. The volunteers and the newcomers. So if there's someone out there that's listening and says, "I really love this," and you, you're a person in in recovery, or you're a person who is an ally of people in recovery, and you said, and you have some skill that you'd like to share with our community, if you're a yoga instructor, or you're a poet, or you're a play the guitar, and you want to come and become a volunteer with us and help facilitate some events to help grow our movement, um, please. Please jump on our app right there. the The first thing you have to do to become a volunteer is attend one of our events, whether that's in person or uh, a virtual event. And then, right on the app, forty eight hours later, you'll see a button that says "Volunteer with us." You just click that button. There's a short process. We do a background check, and then you'll get connected with whoever your local point of contact is, and we can get it going. We'll get we'll get the event marketed. We'll get some people to come to it. Uh, but that's how that's how we're going to grow. The more volunteers we have that are willing to support our growth, is is more people we can help. So yeah, if there's anyone out there that's listening, that's has some sort of talent or skill or um, hobby that they'd like to share with this community, please reach out.
0: That's, yeah, I'm, I have some people in mind, so I will, we can talk about it after, but um, great. That's yeah, No, that's great. I mean, I think there are so many people who, like you said, are just allies and want to help and support. So, um, I think that a lot of, I think it will reach a lot of people. You don't, I like, it's confusing in that, like, where do I fit in this if I'm not completely sober? But like, you've made that very clear that there is a place for all of us um, to help and just be an ally and supportive, even if we're, you know, not like lifetime sober, but
1: yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's kind of like you, we talked about it before, like the mocktails is kind of like an example. We're trying to shift the perception of, or the stigma around what substance use disorder yeah. is. So if someone like you, that is not a person that is in recovery or has problematic issues whatsoever is supportive of what I do. And I come into a class and you know, I'm there and you want me to be there and you're going to help me on my journey. Like that goes really far for us to shift the stigma around substance use. Cause I can tell you for myself, like a lot of the a lot of the guilt and shame and embarrassment I felt and like judgment that I felt might've just really just been perceived. Like if I walked into somewhere, nobody in there knows that I'm a person that is sober or needs to be sober. But I felt that like, I felt like I was being judged for who I was and knowing that there's somebody out there like you, that is just another, you know, uh, another member of society that knows why I'm there and wants to support me in it. it goes a really long way to making me feel back integrated into just being, for lack of a better term, normal again.
0: Right. Like it's, it's so interesting that we even have to talk about it like that, that it's like, what's normal and what's not, but we're all just having a human experience. So it's like, right. whatever your experience is, let's just, you know, support each other. So
1: yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, do you have a, we always ask this, I'm saying we, cause it's, you know, usually me and Vic, but do you have a mantra or like an affirmation or something that you kind of repeat for yourself on the daily? Something that keeps you motivated or
1: I do actually, if you want, I'll actually show it to you. Cool.
0: I see your yoga Ugh. on your blocks too. Yeah. yeah,
1: if I get it down without oh sure. breaking it. So I bought myself this, uh, you know who Thich Nhat Hanh is? Thich Nhat Hanh was a yes. famous monk. Um, I bought this for myself on my one year sobriety date and, it says no mud no lotus oh very nice so to me that means like you know i had to go through all of this stuff to get to where i am today to become you know uh who i'm really supposed to be so yeah that's something that's really important to me
0: i love it um okay so you've told kind of everybody how to connect with you the app is the best way um is there someplace they can follow you or is it best to follow the phoenix on it's like on social like what's
1: where? yeah follow us at um on instagram rise recover lift and uh, if you have any questions you can just send an email to info at the phoenix.org and that's our website www.thephoenix.org if you want to find out a little bit more about us before you download our app um and then you can also check out uh on facebook or just the phoenix on facebook
0: Okay, cool. I'm going to link everything um, in the show notes to make it very easy for people who want to get connected. And I'm so glad that we reconnected. This was a great combo. And I'm really glad that we're just getting more information out there for people who need it.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's great to see you. Thanks for the opportunity. So-
0: for listening to the expand with nicole podcast you can check out the show notes to find important info from today's episode please support the show by subscribing sharing an episode that you loved or leaving a review and if you want to connect with me just head over to instagram at expand with nicole i appreciate you all so much and i can't wait to share more wellness and lifestyle
1: info with you on the next episode